Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. All right, my friends, this is part four, our final episode of the Luxury Hair Service series. So if you enjoyed this series, let me know. Send me a DM over on Instagram. In today's episode, we're getting into one of the most important things when it comes to breaking into the luxury sector in any industry, and especially the beauty industry. So we're going to touch on three main points to align your money mindset and make the shifts that you need to grow a business in the luxury service market. We're going to talk about how you could be projecting your own money blocks onto your clients and letting it dictate your pricing and perceived value. We're going to be talking about the energetics of money and diving into how you might be holding yourself back from financial abundance. So we have Misty Jane, who is a money coach and money mindset expert, really diving into this topic today. And make sure you check out the other three collaborators on this podcast, Misty Jane, the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast, Lindsay Means from the Find Your Way Podcast for all things woo, and Anna Lambert, who is an East Coast Extension Specialist and the host of the Woo Woo Hairstylist Podcast. So let's go ahead and dive into today's episode all about your money mindset and the energetics of money when it comes to luxury services. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Here, we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. All right, this this part's going to get a little juicy, I think, because there is going to be some serious triggers that come up. Y'all are making me sound like the bad guy. (laughs) No, you're the good guy because you're the one who guides through the, you know, some of the really hard stuff. So I think when it comes to luxury or high ticket, the thing that comes up for a lot of people is their own money blocks and their own, you know, we talk, we think about emotional discounting and like, who am I to charge this much, even though we know it's worth it? And even though, you know, the numbers make sense. So can we talk a little bit about how you can align your own beliefs with building a business around luxury services? Yeah, I think this is an important thing to talk about in general, because this goes with stylists and with your client as well, right? You know, with stylists, we have this like cap in our mind. We have this like like a lot of stylists, there's this six-figure idea, right? Like this $100,000. If I could just get this $100,000 and it's almost like they're blocking it because it feels so far away for them, right? When in reality, a lot of us, especially in this Zoom room, that's fun to say, you know, we know that that, that is actually, if you break it down, a very easy number to obtain in this industry, you know, but a lot of times we just block it, like kind of like what we were talking about in the episode with Lindsay of thinking of the negative, you know, we're so stuck in the negative aspects of money. Well, my clients can't afford it. You know, we put our own money blocks onto our clients. 
all the time, all the time. I know for me, like I don't spend a lot of money on my hair. That does not mean that I do not think that it's worth it or that people should charge a certain amount of money. I personally am just not, I'm a hairstylist. I can do my own roots. Like I pay for a haircut, like, you know, but it, and I think that that does not mean that I am not still charging my clients what my 20 years experience behind the chair with my great products is worth. Like, would I spend $400 on my hair? Probably not, personally. But I am not going to not charge what I should charge for my business because of that. So I think that we have our own limiting beliefs, and that affects everything. It affects how we price our services. It affects how we show up confidently. I know we've talked about this a lot in this series. It literally affects almost every aspect of our business. It affects boundaries, right? We live in scale. A lot of us, I well, maybe not a lot of us. I've been saying that a lot lately and try not to say it as much, but live in scarcity, right? When we don't have to anymore. So we base everything around it. Oh my gosh, this client's going to leave me. They can't leave me. So I want to like, you know, find ways to like keep them, whether it means I'm going to come in on my days off or whether it means I'm going to give them a discount, you know? And then what we're doing is we're blocking those clients that want to come in for your prices and want to come in, you know, at times like clients love boundaries, you guys, like clients love it. Kind of like Lindsay said in, in her portion, like they want to be told what to do. So I, so our limited beliefs are huge. I think deterrence in our business for sure, for sure. Yes. And it's funny when you think about like money and, and your beliefs around money, because it becomes so much more evident once you start to do the work and then you have conversations with people that have not that you used to feel very connected to like and feel like you were in the same boat. And it's it, it's like once you start to focus on that, you can see where these limiting beliefs came from. Like, obviously, I you know, someone will make an offhand comment like everyone wants a deal. No, actually. No. Um, right. <laughs> stuff that I'm not a price shopper on and then there's stuff that I am so it's all about what you value and like finding you know just because for instance I think that's a great example like if we're stylists now that I don't work in a, in a salon I do actually go and I pay full price for my hair and I love it now but back when I was behind the chair when I had the option not to I never would have done that right so I think it's all about what you value and and not putting that onto your clients and not try to spend their money for them. Like, yeah, that's a big <laughs> exactly. One. That's a huge one. And I think like I hear all the time, like, so I stopped doing hair for 10 months to like pursue this money coaching business full time. And I now I go back, I work one day behind the chair and I had clients come back to me and they would tell me things that they didn't like about where they were going prior to when I had stopped. And it's very interesting because what clients are saying and what stylist fears are, are very different. Very different. Clients complain that they are not recommended products. They want to be recommended products. They want a fix for their hair. That is why they are there. That is why they are in your chair. And we have this fear as stylists of being, I mean, Jody and I have had this conversation quite a few times about being too salesy right? Mm -hmm. When it's like, no, the clients want it. It would be like if you walked into Sephora, right? And asked somebody, 
you know, about their makeup, your makeup, and they're like, oh, no, just walk around and, and find whatever it is that feels good to you. Is there anything more annoying than when you walk into my local Sephora? Every time I walk in there, I'm like, where is everybody? I want you to come sell me things. I yes. want to spend money here and I can't because I don't know what I'm buying. So like, right. that is such a good example. Well, and one of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody, I hate when someone assumes I don't want to spend a lot of money. I like, I very much, like, I hate when I'm like, hey, I'm looking for, I'm just going to, we're going to keep going with Sephora, right? Hey, I'm looking for like an eyeliner that this is what I wanted to do. And though, you know, if somebody will be like, oh, well, this is the like most inexpensive option. I'm like, no, no, no. What is the one that is going to do what I want it to do? Like that is, I did not ask you to look in my wallet, (laughs) you know? So I think that again, it comes back to like our own money beliefs, right? And I always say too, what is it? It's all, it's either free or it's full price. Like there's no discount. People get addicted to discounts. Mm -hmm. So if you are putting your blocks onto your clients, you discount them one time because maybe they talked about something in your chair, you know, financially and like you're feeling bad and blah, blah, blah. Like they're going to start to expect that. Okay. And when you're having a bad day or when you have something that's costing you money, are they going to come and like hand you another hundred dollars? I don't think so. So I think that we forget that it is a business and I love, I am a relationship stylist. I love, love, love having like a real relationship with my clients, but I know when it's business time and when it's, Hey, we're having friend time. And I always say at when you first walk in consultation and at checkout, we are we are it's strictly business. You know, Yeah. when you say that, I was just like really thinking about being behind the chair. And when you say that, it's so true because with the discounting, because that was me with the discounting in the past. And in my mind, I'm like, you know how we show up better for them is maybe it's listening. You know, hey, you know what? I'm not going to discount you. But I'm here where you could just unload and I'm going to hold this space for you. And and or maybe it is that massage or maybe it is that scalp massage or maybe it's a hand and arm ritual massage or something, you know, something along those lines. That's going to go to me a lot further, a lot further than discounting because discounting is like a quick dopamine hit. Oh, cool. Thanks. And then it's like you said, then it's something that they're going to expect over and over and over again. And even though we're doing it out of the goodness of our heart, it's going to affect our numbers, our business long term. So I love that. And then like for anyone listening right now, they're like, OK, Missy, I I do have these money issues. Like what could they work on? Like maybe something that they could do or I guess it starts with awareness and, and owning up to it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, OK, absolutely. So you have it. Yep. So especially anytime I work with somebody one-on-one or well, in general, the first thing we do is figure out, like assess your situation. And that looks like actually looking at your finances and seeing what's going on. And then it also is asking yourself some questions, right? What kind of money stories did you see growing up? You know, what kind of money stories do you hold that maybe are not true? So a lot of times we see something, you know, money is bad. Rich people are bad. That's like a very big one that I see a lot. So they associate like, you know, millionaires and billionaires as evil, bad people. So they never want to be rich, right? Or Mm -hmm. they never want to have a lot of money because that means you're bad. So using that as an example, is that true? No, that is not true. 
you can take more money and you can become more of the person that you are. Money is not going to change you. Money is just a piece of paper. And this is something that that always gets people because it's like literally it is literally just I don't even have a paper next to me. I was going to hold something up, but (laughs) it is literally just a piece of paper. We as individuals, we put the value onto that piece of paper and what that thing means to us. And a lot of times it stems from what we saw growing up, not just our parents. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about like what TV shows did I grow up watching? What songs did I grow up listening to? What kind of money stories were involved in those things? Right. And I think when you start thinking that way, you become more aware of what you are seeing, what you are saying. You know, I hate when people say I'm not a numbers person, which is something you hear often in the hair industry. And it's like, well, you're automatically saying you're cutting yourself off right there. You are saying, I'm not a numbers person, which means I'm not even going to look at it. I don't care. I don't understand it. Why don't you say you're trying to become a numbers person or you're trying to like, you know, educate yourself in a, in a different way? Because when you start doing those things and become aware of the things you're saying, the things that you're doing then you can start breaking down those limiting beliefs. So 100% awareness, start asking yourself the questions, the hard questions, right, that you don't necessarily want to think about, (laughs) but they go a long way. (laughs) I'm thinking about how you said, you know, someone that says, I'm not a numbers person. I've caught myself doing that myself, right? And then then changing it, right? So this is a funny story. I just got to throw this in here because in the past, if I was learning something new, so let's say it's like a formula or numbers or something, I'd be like, God damn it, I can't figure that. And I would act out of frustration. Lindsay, you probably know this by human design because that's my response, frustration. And then I've learned to say, and this sounds so corny, guys, but I am so grateful and thankful that I'm being challenged to learn something new. And I've said it over. You know how many, I mean, it took me years. But now when I notice I'm going to that frustration, that's what I say. And sometimes I'll laugh at myself. But but I'm like, okay, I'm so grateful and thankful. But it works. It yeah. works because it shifts your pers- your mentality and where you're going. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Walk away, come back. And then it happens back. often with my often with my one-on-one clients because the first couple calls, they feel very overwhelmed. All of the feelings that I just talked about, the questions that you don't want to talk, like, it comes up. There's a lot of tears. A lot of times there's a lot, a lot of that. And, it, and that you can tell that they have this, I can't do this feeling. And then I have to kind of redirect, but you are doing it. Right. Like doing something new is uncomfortable. Even if it's just learning something, you crying, you having these feelings, you are doing it. On the other side of this discomfort is that peace that you are looking for. It is that peace that you have been dreaming about, that you've been writing on your vision board, that you've been putting in your journal, is on the other side of that discomfort. So, yeah, just FYI. (laughs) I love this conversation, and this is so, so important and so good. And I think one of the things that is really helpful that I tell my students sometimes is like, have you ever done anything hard before? Like, have you ever done anything that you weren't automatically good at before that you now are are very proficient at? And the answer is always yes. And so like self-assigning an identity based on something you're not good at yet or something that you haven't mastered yet, it it means nothing about you and your ability to do it. It just means you haven't learned how yet. And it's with any skill, including your mindset, including the way that you think about money and, and everything else. So 
Oh, I love this conversation. So well, good. and le- like learning something new, you're going to hit a different level every time, right? So like maybe you start out in a, a commission-based salon and you feel like you want to raise your prices, but everyone around you is like talking shit about the salon down the street that, you know, charges $100 an hour. Like you're going to feel like you're kind of like we were talking about with community. You're going to feel like you're not going to be part of the community. Like maybe you're wrong because you feel like you want more. And then you're going to go, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go do my own shit. And you're going to go and start working at that salon down the street, making the $100 an hour, whatever. And you're going to hit a whole different ceiling. You're going to walk into that salon. You're going to feel like you don't belong there. You're going to have to start actually working on your money mindset even more because you're charging more. You're projecting your own money shit onto your clients, but you're going to learn to get past it, right? And then once you get there, there's going to be a whole new ceiling that you have to learn. You know, so I think that just understanding that your money story is a journey. There is not a destination. There is no end. If I, if tomorrow I wake up and I have a million applications for coaching and I have like a million dollars in my bank account, like I'm going to have to process that in a whole different way. You know, so I think that that's really important to understand, but you have to keep wanting to grow. If you are like, nope, this is who I am. I can only make this amount of money because I'm just not worth it or I'm not good enough or, you know, you don't have the confidence in any aspect, then you are never going to get there. So you have to really believe that you are capable of growing, changing, you know, deserving of the money, the success, the peace. You know, I always like to say it's not really about the money. It's never about the money. It's always about the feeling, which I feel like we've talked about in every single one of this, these episodes of this series. It's, I have a lot of clients that will say, well, I want to make this much money. Why? Why do you want to make that much money? I want you to, I will give them homework. I want you to write down why, you know? And just because it's like when you lay it out, like, do you feel like you should make that much because you saw it on Instagram? Do you feel like you should make that much because that's what success looks like? How much do you need? How much do you need to have the house that you want, to go on the vacations that you want, to take the time off that you want, to create the business that you want? How much do you actually need to do that? A lot of times it's not as much as you think. I love that. And then that's where they start. You start mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Right. And then right. If you want, and then when you get there, you decide, okay, do, do I want more? Because it's exactly. okay. That's oh, I'm all about always wanting more, but you know. <laughs> totally. And I feel like some, you know, and based on what you were saying, how people feel guilty. Because mm-hmm. about their upbringing and what they've been told. And so it just becomes so hardwired in their brain and their body. And, you know, and just understanding that every single human on the face of this planet that was born deserves abundance. And, and when I say abundance, it's not just money. It's right. abundance in health and life and happiness and abundance in money, too. You know, because with that, you could do wonderful things, whatever you want to do with it. And we need more heart-centered souls with a lot of money to yeah. do yeah. whatever they wish they want to do. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. In the world we live in, it's how we make impact. So yes. that Yes. But- I was just going to say that the more money you make, the more impact you can make. And the more money you make, the more impact you're making with your clients. Like not only your clients, but the more money you you have, you can give to chair. You can increase your own knowledge and then give to your people and it's this cycle i think that something we've been talking about energy a lot i love energy i love thinking about money 
it's energy. That's like Miss you was saying, it's a piece of paper, but it's energy. And something that I do, I did it yesterday. I was on my walk and I found a dime and I started jumping up and down. I was like, oh my God, I found a dime. Like, thank you, universe, more please. Thank you and more please. And then I walked a couple a couple steps and I found a penny and I was like, oh my God, a penny. And I like got so excited about, about this penny. And then I found an, and I was like, thank you and more please. And then I found another penny. And when you look at money in the sense of like, whether it's a penny or it's a thousand dollars, when you look at it the same and you celebrate every single piece of money that's coming into your account and also the money that's going out of your account. I'm curious, Misty, how you feel about this? Because when I go to the grocery store, I'm like, I just spent $200 on all of this stuff. I'm so excited. And I get excited to when money flows out of my account and when money flows into my Yes, I love that you said this because there's a couple different factors here. So I write down my totals every day that I work in the salon and I started hearting it. I started putting like a heart around it, like a like I like thank you. I do that too. Like, thank you more, please. You know, and then also something that I've started doing that I teach with my clients as well is when you get a bill in the mail. Right. So your electric bill comes every month. Right. Thank it. Thank it. You would not have heat. You would not have AC. You would not have a comfortable home if you did not spend money on these things. Another thing talking about, you know, money is neutral. Again, just a piece of paper, right? We decide if it's good or bad. Same thing with debt. This is something Mm -hmm. that I talk about so, so much because talking about guilt and shame, there's so much guilt and shame around debt. But sometimes that debt gave you something in your life that you would not have had otherwise. One of my clients, her debt provided her with maternity leave, okay? It's okay to still want to get rid of the debt, right? It's okay to have a plan to get rid of it. I recommend that. But instead of feeling that shame and guilt around the debt or, you know, the reason or whatever, how about we just thank it? You gave me some things that I was unable to have otherwise and then proceed. So I think that, yeah, we we need to realize that money, I think, Lindsay, I think it was you who said something about money, you know, flows like it's sometimes we get more, sometimes we get less. Currency, like currency is a flow. Yes. And when you're holding on so tight to it, it can't flow in and out. And so when you think about money as water, as like it's flowing in, it's flowing out. It's all the ocean always comes in and out. It always comes in and out. And I've struggled with money. Like I didn't, my money beliefs, but I've worked a lot on them. And when any time, I remember I was a thousand dollars negative in my bank account and I was freaking out and I had never been that bad before. And I remember thinking I was sitting right here and I was like, okay, there, the cops aren't banging down my door. Like my bills are being paid. I have a car. I have a house. I literally have everything that I need. Yeah. I'm a thousand dollars negative but they're paying for my stuff. Like there's not, and then a couple of days later, money flowed in and it was totally fine. And so we think that something terrible is going to happen. And in that moment, I was like, okay, cool. This is, I paid like 200 bucks in fees, but all my stuff was fine. So it's, it's when you think about it's always, it's going to come in, it's going to come out. And when you, but when you hold on so tight or when you have these beliefs of like, even if you want to be a hundred K stylist, but you believe that money is bad, you're going to have a freaking hard time getting there because the subconscious mind is running the show. Right. Well, and that kind of comes back to my point of like, I think a lot of us are living in survival mode when it's no longer necessary. Yeah. 
And I think that's something that we have to think about when we're freaking out, right? I, I, my, one of the things that I like to kind of, not everyone loves this, right? But something that helps me and has helped my clients is when, when they are stressed about something, right? I always say, okay, what is your worst case scenario? Mm-hmm. You know, oh my gosh, I'm going to end up homeless. They're going to take my house. I'm going to break both my hands, not be able to, you know, work, whatever, like whatever it is. Okay, if that happened, what would you do? And they will literally create a plan. If this happens, I would do this. I would drive for DoorDash. I would, you know, whatever, right? And then I'm like, now, how does that feel? Well, it doesn't feel that bad. (laughs) And it's like, okay, so let's get out of that spiral, the survival spiral, because you have made it this far, right? Mm -hmm. And especially talking to the hair world, we came out of 2020, right? Like we got shut down. Our worst case scenario happened literally around the world and we made it out. Mm -hmm. Majority of us made it out. So. It's just kind of one of those trusting yourselves with it, trusting yourself with money. And it you have to start small. Like, yes, like you can trust yourself in your financial decisions, even if it doesn't feel like you can right now. But you have mm-hmm. to start small, tiny little steps every day, consistency every day. And it's going to look different every day. It's going to look different depending on what situation you're in. But you can find ways to trust your financial decisions. You know, the people that I know that struggle the most with money are the people who seem to always be looking for issues and closed off from solutions. And I used to be one of those people like many years ago, but I think that's like everything we talked about today, everything that, you know, throughout the series, everything you talk about in general, Missy, like it's not about just like you know, people think, oh, if I just have more money, like that's what, how many people do you hear? Like even, you know, like, oh, I need to just get more money and 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 spending all this time on like, one of the things in Jen Sincero's book, which I love, and she's like, you know, if you think bigger picture, like so often we think about punishing ourselves by cutting out lattes and all this kind of stuff. And like, how can we be really frugal? Not that there's anything wrong with that. If you don't see value in that, that's fine. That's, that's good. But I think if we focus more on like the bigger picture, our relationship with money, how what we need to get to where we want to be and how we can actually make that happen, like at some point you have to break up with your excuses because if you're committed to why you can't achieve something, congratulations, you'll get to keep that forever. Like that's yep. the prize, right? So right. You know, if you can, if you can get clear on and this is why I love how you teach specifically on money is like the the relationship with money is is huge yeah Uh, I just googled something too because I I wanted to make sure I said it properly but when you win the lottery did you know that 70 70, 72 percent go or worse off yeah Mm -hmm. and then a third of them go on to declare bankruptcy right yes it just goes to show it's not more money It's not more money it's absolutely (laughs) it's absolutely not more money it's we we use money to like fix our emotions, right? Like all the time, like, oh my God, I'm sad. I'm gonna buy myself something. Like all the time, treat yourself, whatever. Oh my God, I'm happy. I'm celebrating. I'm gonna buy myself something. And then we kind of, we just forget about the long-term, right? And then we wonder at the end of the day when we're like, God, I really wish that I could like go on this vacation with my family, but I just can't afford it. Or I really wish I could do this. I just can't afford it. But every day we're just like stroking our egos and like, you know, spending money just to make ourselves feel better for a second, for one second, when we could actually put that money towards making ourselves feel better for a lifetime. 
you know? And it just, it's something that obviously I talk about a lot because it's something that's changed my life. I was shit with money for the first 30 years of my life. And I was, I'm not a numbers person. You know, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I don't come from money. Like I had all the, I'm just a hairstylist. All the time I would tell myself, well, it's because I didn't go to college. It's that, that was my thing. I'm not smart enough to make money. That was like my number one limiting belief. And I'm driving around the neighborhood that we now live in. My husband and I would always say that we picked the wrong careers, but it was me. I was stopping myself. I was self-sabotaging myself because in my mind, why would I even try to live in this neighborhood? I'm not smart enough. I didn't go to college. I, you know what I mean? Like I didn't come for money. Why would I even attempt it? That sounds like a waste of time. But when I realized that that is not true, that I was putting my money towards, I was eating my money. I was going out to eat. We were spending over like $800 to $1,000 a month on food that I don't even remember eating. It wasn't even that good. (laughs) And it wasn't until I realized that I was putting my money in things that I didn't really value. So that was the shift. And I think that when we start doing it for ourselves personally, it starts to reflect within our business. So like things that were luxury to me, like are luxury to me now, were not luxury. They were like a a pipe dream before, you know, oh my gosh, like vacations, retreats, certain education, things like that. Like in the past, you would have said, hey, you're going to go on this $5,000 return. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not going on this $200 drive to freaking, you know, a family vacation. Like where now I'm like, oh, that's it. Let's go. (laughs) so I think that it starts with us it starts with our internal relationship with money and think about it money is a relationship how would you feel if you were ignored how would you feel in a relationship if you were talked negatively to all the time like what kind of relationship is that think of your bank account and the money coming in and out as like your boyfriend or girlfriend like what what would you you want because you're going to get that back with the energy that you give your money. So true. Yeah. You know, it was one of the biggest shifts for me too, when it came to like views on everything is your circle. Like the people you surround yourself with is everything. So if you are, you know, and like we've all got circles that we can't exactly extract ourselves from that we can't change their beliefs, like the other family, coworkers, whatever. So because of that, like you can't always, you know, I I think it's important to say that because like what people, they're like, well, I can't, I can't just cut off my family or I can't just, you know, quit my job or whatever. And that's fine. But what you can do, what every single person listening can do is work on cultivating a community filled with people who think like you want to, who... Mm things that you want to, right? That's what it's like. I I honestly think there is magic in that. Yeah, I agree. I always say, yes, put yourself in rooms that you don't feel like you belong in. Mm -hmm. That is how I'm even talking on this podcast right now with you is because I decided to do something super scary and go somewhere super scary that I didn't feel like I belonged. And then I started meeting people like y'all. I started meeting people that were having conversations that I was not hearing on a daily basis. So I was seeing expanders. Exactly. I was seeing people that I'm like, oh, my God, wait a minute. Y'all are like me and you're doing the thing that I never thought I could do. So that goes a long way. And and if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I can't afford to go to like a fancy retreat or whatever, 
start small. Read some books that make you uncomfortable. Listen to some podcasts that make you uncomfortable, that are talking about things that you're not used to hearing. Right now, I'm in this phase where I'm listening to millionaires and billionaires, and it makes me so uncomfortable. I mean, it, it like listening to it, I'm like, that's nothing like I, I mean, they, they talk about don't save your money, you know, get all this debt to build your business, like all this stuff that like blows my mind. Right. But I'm learning and it's helping me with even though I'm not a millionaire or billionaire, it's helping me with certain lo looking at different perceptions, perspectives, things like that of things that I thought were one way or thought were another way. And it challenges me. And it helps me grow. So I think that community and like listening to something outside of your box that makes you uncomfortable is key. It's key. And it's, yeah, it's what shows you possibility, right? Like exactly what you said. Cause so often, like, and this is why you need to be careful of who you take advice from and all of these things, right? Cause people are really only capable unless they're conscious. Like, when you're going through your life on autopilot or, you know, with whatever you've grown up with, whatever your current beliefs are, you're only capable of looking at what's possible from your lens of perception. So you don't expand that. Like, you know, when things say, like when people say, I heard this the other day from someone in my family, no one can afford that. Mm. But people no. obviously can't afford that because it's a business. <laughs> I think it's so easy sometimes to get really caught up in our own perceptions or the perceptions you were raised with and like it's important to know that you're not like nothing is possible until you see it's possible have you ever read any of the statistics about athletic records being broken i talked about this on a podcast not that long ago but essentially like running started like they say okay competitive running if we look at the earliest record of it it was what like in the roman times like or the ancient greek times so something like it was like 3500 years from the earliest recorded to the person who broke the first record, what the time was, but the the the, the time, four minute mile, yes, four minute mile. That's exactly what it was. And so when that record was broken, I think it was in like within like six weeks, it was broken again. Mm. And so it took thirty five hundred years, and I think in the next like fifty years, so between now and then, I think ten plus people, twelve people maybe, have run a four minute mile. So it took thirty five hundred years for the first person to be able to do it. And then within 50 years, once it was proven that it was possible, mm. that, like before he did it, he worked with the medical community. He was like, I think a doctor in Oxford or something in the medical program. And people were like, you can't run that fast. All your organs will explode. Like, there's no way you could do that. That's dangerous. So not only were they like, you can, they're like, you better not because bodies are not designed to run that fast and something terrible will happen. And these are all educated people in his circle that were saying this. So. It just goes to show that like once you once it was shown to be possible, then all of a sudden people felt more comfortable pursuing it. So if you can look for examples of the crazy big goals and the fact that people have in fact achieved them, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to start pursuing goals financially and otherwise. Jody, you know, jumping in and you're like, look at examples. In my mind, I'm like, yeah. Even something as simple as I, my daughter, she's 11 and she'll watch YouTube and there's this guy, unspeakable. He makes millions and millions and millions. And you got to We have all of his shit. Okay. <laughs> he does the most. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's you know, hard. He rolls over bottles filled with dye. He's making millions. 
Yeah, my eight year old wants to fill our house with with like balls from a ball pit because of him. <laughs> yeah, Savannah is obsessed. Okay. And what I notice about a lot of these YouTubers, the ones that are doing very well, and I know what they're doing, they're smart. They have very good relationship with money because they give back. So Savannah's like, Mama, you know, Unspeakable paid for all these moms. It was, I forgot how, 100, 900, some ridiculous amount for childcare for a year. Now, the reason why I bring that up, there's this man down the road from us and he's, he's very well to do. And so my husband's talking to him because he talks to everyone. And he knew him and he's, he's like, yeah, just, he's like, oh, look at you with, you know, with the house. My husband's very ballsy and, and nutty. And so, you know, the man goes, yeah, he goes, I figured it out. The more you give, the more you receive. And so it all comes back to money is energy. And even mm-hmm. let's say a hairstylist is like, okay, well, that's big money. What the hell are you talking about? Trust me. I was there, you know, struggling. My hands would sweat, paying bills, left with $30. So I, I get what that feels like when when you're there. But as simple as going out to eat to a restaurant and I'm a generous tipper. And because in my mind, I'm like, I know that is helping pay their bills. It's helping feed their family if they have one. It's helping pay their rent. Possibly it's paying the bill to eat food at a restaurant. That's also helping run this restaurant, which is a business. And so like maybe maybe some hairstylists might resonate with that. And, and you could start with something as little as that. What yeah. you give, you receive. And it's just proven with laws of the universe. And I'm not going to get into that, but it's proven right. it's scientific. I always use the example of say you have your hand open, right? And you have a dollar in it. If you are squeezing that dollar so tight, y- you cannot put any more money in there. Like that money is just like you you are literally blocking money. That money's not going anywhere. That dollar is, that is your glass ceiling. That's it. But if you open your hands, the wind can take it and someone can put more in it. Like it's much more like at flow. So I think that we have to let go of this idea that like, you know, this, again, the scarcity around money because it is fucking everywhere. It is everywhere. You want to make $100 right now? Like go in your closet and pull out some stuff that you don't have and sell it. Do you go drive DoorDash once? I mean, you can literally, there's a million ways to find money, period. I did want to say before we're done, because I know that we're, we're pretty much done. I want to end with this because I heard this quote recently and it kind of goes back to the being uncomfortable and I wanted to share it. You have to be willing to be inconvenienced with new information in order to have impact on the future. Love it. Boom. Love it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Hairstylist Rising or at It's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.